Greg, thank you for your prayer. I I was just uh, reflecting on your phrase about bound with cords of love and um, how how much God has done that. You know, in at least in my life, I'd like to I'd like to share a little story first, a personal story about uh, my uh, birthday about a month ago. Um, you know, it's been during COVID, and I turned the young age of seventy this year. Um, and so Tia asked me, he says, well, 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 you want to do something? I said, like, you mean send ma maybe mail 70 cupcakes and candles to our best friends and say, uh, let's celebrate? I said, why don't we just wait till next year and I'll celebrate being 70 next year. But we ended up going up to see uh, my daughter Elizabeth and her husband Brian and our grandkids and Tim went with us and uh, we had a, a great weekend and then Saturday night we had dinner together. And so Liz asked me, where, where would you like to eat? I said, I, I want to eat on the deck outside. So the, bit, the kids were put, put to bed and so that, that Brian and Liz could enjoy the time too. And um, so it was dark. It was probably after nine o'clock when we had finished eating. And uh, so they bring me out this present that they're going to give me. It's a great old big box. And I can't imagine what it is. And so I open it up and it's a blanket. It's a blanket with all my family's names on it. And um, it was it was actually really kind of cold that night. So I actually wrapped it around. Tim was on one side of me and Liz was on the other. And we I wrapped it around all three of us. But I thanked them for it. And I told them that I probably really would need this blanket uh, when I turned 80 so I could remember who they were. And at that point, Tia, Tia as the keeper of the cards, gave me my, my cards to go through. And so... Um, I looked through the card for Tia and one for Brian and Liz and Tim always, he always writes me something original. It's an artwork and a poem or something. And then I had a couple of more envelopes there and there, it was, all we had was candlelight. I didn't have my glasses. So I was looking at these really close and I looked down there are two cards from people in, in, the, in the fellowship. I've got a card from Mike Stockstill and one from Wayne Bueller. And I'm thinking, how should these men remember me on my Saturday birthday? And so I opened these up. I didn't have my glasses with me. And I get, I get, I don't know if you can see, I get these two cards. And one of them says, Mike Stockstill was here. And the other one says, God bless you, Brother Press. And I look down and there are checks. There are checks. And I said, these guys never, why do they write me a check? And then I look at Wayne's thing, it says, this is the Bueller tie. So I, I just had to smile to myself. I said, these guys, these guys just really reminded me that I do have an extended family. It's the family of God. And, and I really just appreciate Mike and, and Wayne, you reminded me that you're celebrating. I just want to say, I love you guys. And, um, Gateway Christian Fellowship is my family, so uh, it's just been something that the whole family was able to really smile about, that I'm getting these cards with, with money, only to realize that made out to Gateway Christian Fellowship, so I really appreciate the reminder. So, um, so, so Preston, you're reminding you, us that we take up the offering by mail now, is that what you're saying? Exactly. <laughs> if you want to give money to Gateway, send it to me, and I'll, I'll be very honest to not put it in my bank account, but in the church. <laughs> so, um, I want to I want to just talk for a few minutes um, 
about the um, um I, I don't know how many of you um, saw or, or I know Mary and Lisa went and participated in the events um, last Saturday, September 26th. And I was able to watch uh, most of it Friday night and most of it Saturday morning. And um, I just, you know, I, I know for me personally, uh, it, it was encouraging and challenging at the same time. Um, I want to share a little bit personally about how I kind of, uh, the Lord just really reminded me of some things about repentance. Um, and it came through kind of an unusual time there. I don't know how many of you watched it, but um, one of the things they did in the morning, they had a lot of different leaders that came on stage uh, and spoke about different things. And there's, there's this one man, he came on, his name was Pierre Bynum. I didn't know anything about him, but he's a chaplain for the Family Research Council. Nothing dynamic about him, an older fellow. Um, he said his, his uh, topic was apathy. And, and he began to speak. He spoke very shortly. He was not a very dynamic person. Um, but he, he made this one sentence um, that just really stuck out, stood out to me. He said, our repentance is inadequate if it is just human repentance. We need God to intervene and deal with us. There was an awkward silence after that, as though he wasn't sure what to do next. He actually said in the microphone, I've lost my place, and he walked off the stage. Uh, it was a really interesting thing, but what he said then just really hit me, and I began thinking about, well, how else can we repent except as a human, you know? So I thought about that, that the Lord just really began to challenge me that these men up there and, and me and anybody that's been praying for our nation, it's not enough just to say the words arising out of my own knowledge. But I feel like what the man was trying to say is there needs to be a humble response to that which the Lord specifically points to arising in my own heart what he sees within the heart that causes me to act or to think in a wicked way. Um, that's what he wants me to change my mind about and follow him. And he wants me to, in changing my mind, to change my behavior. You know, the, there's a proverb that says that we should guard our heart and watch, or watch over our heart or from, from it flow the issues of life. And which basically means how you really think and how you really live. And, so I just was really challenged Saturday morning by this, that um, this repentance, which I know, but it's like it was a reminder from the Lord. It goes deeper than just confession or just to, to decide to stop doing something. You know, it really is a response to God's dealing with something within our hearts in this particular place in my heart. And, uh, you know, I, I appreciate Bill's message because it's almost always something that he gently shows us uh, as a loving God, uh, what part of all my heart I'm not loving him with and it's not aligning up with his thoughts and his ways. And, um, you know, I also, I was just thinking about Roger's message last week and how much of it centered around obedience. And, you know, repentance is one of those things that, you know, we do and we walk in obedience, not out of a have to or a fear, but a mode or a motive to gain something else, but 
we, we walk out of it because of a want to, because of our love for and our thanksgiving to the Lord, just for the things that we've been singing about today, the blood that was shed for us. You know, God's heart is so captured in Deuteronomy, and I know Greg has probably already mentioned this in some past messages of his, but Deuteronomy 5 says this, Oh, that they, being us, are people, though that they, oh, that they had such a heart in them that they would fear me and keep all my commands always. And then he continues, that it may be well with them and with their sons forever. You know, God is a good God and God desires good for his people and he really desires it for all of creation. And so I just was really challenged that, you know, repentance is more than just mouthing some words. It's even more than uh, just saying, I'm going to change, I'm not going to do this or I'm going to do that. But it's, it's got to be a response to something God specifically points to. And when we do, then there's a grace to move forward in that. The other thing that I, that I kind of um, began to think about was um, the motive for repentance, particularly in the times that we find ourselves. Because I, I don't know about you, but for 2020, I don't know how many times I have heard Second Chronicles 7.14 spoken or referred to this year, but it's been over and over and over and you know so i i just went back to read that passage it's in second chronicles the whole chapter or at least the last half to half of chapter seven and i just would encourage you on your own time to to read that but you know it was it was written at a time when solomon was dedicating the temple um he had completed the temple that David, his father, had desired to build. And um, so let's just read. I'm going to start in the last half of verse 13 because it, it's a great place to, to bring it home to us today. It starts this way. If I send pestilence among my people and my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and for, will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayer offered in this place. For now I have chosen and consecrated this house that my name may be there forever and my eyes and my heart will be there perpetually. Um, for those of you that wanted to see this as a shadow, I just want to encourage you to remember that in today's day, on this side of the cross, um, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And so you can take that passage and think about it and, and, and make that application for what these words mean for us today. But I want to focus on this process. There are four verbs in there for you and I. In, in this place of repentance. The first is a place of humility, uh, and then out of a place of humility to pray. And then a lot of times that's kind of where we stop. But the next one says to see his face. So there's a continuation that needs to happen in this whole process of repentance that after the, after the words of confession, 
there seems to be a continued seeking of his face. And out of that, I think, comes this grace to turn from what he calls wicked ways. And if you look up the word wicked and what it means um, in, in the Bible, in the Old Testament, wicked is anything that's not the way of the Lord. So any sin in God's sight can be seen that way. And so when we follow that process of repentance, God makes a promise. And, he, and, and to our four verbs, there are three verbs that are in this um, particular verse that God promises. The first is he will hear from heaven. The second is he will forgive our sin. And the last one is that he will heal our land. Now, it's interesting to me because I kind of was challenged about motive, about repentance and, and confession, because I think for a lot of us, it's like, we want the land to heal. We want things to be better. And I thought, well, is that my motive for praying? Or do I actually realize that I've strayed from the path God's called me to? There are things in my life that don't honor him anymore. Uh, and that the motive for repentance is to restore this relationship that he has so graciously granted to me and to us, to the church. And so I just felt like, you know, I've I, I made this leap uh, over the forgiveness part and, and have gone to the healing. When, if you think about it from an eternal standpoint, isn't it much better to, to, to and sweeter to rest in the forgiveness of our sins than the healing of the land? Uh, obviously, we want the healing of the land, but the forgiveness is something that we will carry with us into to see his face. And so I just was personally challenged in this whole area of, well, I've got to, I've got to repent so things will get better here. But I need to repent because my relationship in whatever way God points out to my heart has been, he's challenging me to a closer place. He's madly in love as we sang a minute ago. And at the same time, he wants us to draw even nearer to him. And so I just really felt challenged in this whole area of the Lord reminding me um, about repentance and that it goes deeper than, and than saying the words and that the sweetest thing about it is the restoration with him is, is the first step before the land being healed. And so I just uh, really encourage you all, um, maybe this is something that's just for me, but I, I just really felt like it was something that um, I wanted to share with you about what happened with me in that particular day on the 26th. Um, the other thing I really wanted to share uh, because out of that motive, um, you know, I mean, you come, I come to the conclusion that the Lord sees the heart and he, ju he judges us all together with perfect clarity and truth. And he will honor every sincere prayer of repentance and give grace to follow through with returning in whatever way each one of us have drifted, whether it be out of apathy or slothfulness or even rebellion. But 
I feel like as we can walk in this true places of repentance, it makes us more effective to the other thing I want to talk about today is this place of intercession, uh, which was also occurring that same day. Um, you know, as I've considered that, it's, it's, I just was reminded, you know, out of the 12 tribes, God separated one tribe, the tribe of Levi, to be priest. Their responsibilities were to attend to the tabernacle and, and the sacrifices and to be an intermediary between God and his people. And we've been called to be a kingdom of priests. All of us are priests. Um, just to, to point out a couple of verses out of 1 Peter 2, 4 and 2, 9 say this. And coming to him, Jesus, as to a living stone which has been rejected by men but is choice and precious in the sight of God. You also as living stones are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Peter goes on a few verses later and says, you're a chosen race, a, a royal priesthood, a holy nation a people for God's own possession. Why? So that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. For once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So I just began to look up some of the responsibilities of priests in that time and one of them really stuck out to me it says priests must not do anything which dulls their sense of judgment or their grasp of the significance of what they are doing you know as i meditated on that it just really began to see how important repentance is for us as a people in order to, to have a clarity of mind a purity of heart and, 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 a, and an understanding of who and how we are to operate before the Lord. And so I, I want to just kind of go through uh, some broad brush examples of, it, of intercession. Uh, we're not really going to have time to get into the how-to of it today, but um, just so that you can see there are saints before us in the Old Testament and New Testament that have done this. And, and I just want to go through a couple of those. Most of them you're very familiar with, but just to, just to kind of reiterate how important it is as a part of our life as believers that this is one responsibility as, as priests and part of the royal priesthood it is for us to take on this mantle of intercession. And so the first one, obviously, is Moses. Um, you know, the people really refused to believe the Lord's promise to give them a land of their own. And as a result of that, God told them to depart and he would give it to their descendants. Um, it says this in Exodus 33, 5. For the Lord had said to Moses, say to the sons of Israel, you are an obstinate people. Should I go up in your midst for one moment? I would destroy you. Now, therefore, put off your ornaments from you that I may know what I shall do with you. At that point, Moses, based on the fact that he had found favor with God, 
makes an appeal on the basis of God's glory and who he is to keep his presence with the people. And Moses' plea, as you know, prevailed. He spoke on behalf of the people again when they complained about that the, the trip was taking too long. Um, I don't know about you, but I'm all, oftentimes I'm a little bit impatient with this process of sanctification. But they became impatient because of the journey even though there was this miraculous provision of manna, which they also complained about because it was the same old thing every day, same old thing, but it was a miraculous provision that he gave them, just like it is for us today, the miraculous provision of grace to walk in the forgiveness that he has bought for us. And so the Lord sent, the Lord sent fiery snakes and bit the people and many died. Now the people came to Moses and said, We've sinned because we've spoken against the Lord. Lord, will you intercede for us that he may take away these serpents? Moses did. In verse 9, it says, Moses made a bronze serpent and set it on a standard. And it came about if a serpent bit a man, when he looked to the bronze serpent, he lived. It's just a shadow of, of, of Christ on the cross. Uh, that we look to for salvation. Uh, but Moses stood in the gap. He, 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 he appealed, he set an example for us as priests today. Uh, I'm going to look at two practical examples where there's not that much praying, but um, one of them is Esther and one of them is, is Abigail. I don't know if you remember the story, uh, but... Uh, during Esther's time, there was a, a deceitful man. His name was Haman, and he plotted through an edict from the king to have all the Israelites destroyed from the land. Esther's uncle Mordecai found out about the plot and told Esther about it. Now, Esther was the wife of the king, and she had <laughs> access to the king, and, and she needed to go and plead her case before him for the people. And time was of the essence because there was a certain day that the, that the king had proclaimed that, the, that his men could go through and, and, and kill the Israelites in the land. But the problem was that no one could go before the king without permission. And if they did, it resulted in death. So she didn't have the privilege of waiting for an invitation from the king. Um, she had, but she had a choice. You know, and Mordecai told her this choice, which we're all very familiar with. The scriptures say this to Mordecai speaking to Esther. Do not imagine that you in the king's palace can escape any more than all the Jews. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place. And you and your father's house will perish. And who knows whether you have attained, not attained royalty for such a time as this. So Esther asked her people to pray. She made her plan and she went in and interceded on behalf of her people. And we, we know the story. God heard and honored her intercession and the prayers of her people and he rescued them from evil. Now, she made a choice to go in. She identified with the people and went in to make an appeal to him. Um, likewise, Abigail, and this is one that uh, I just would encourage you to, 
to take time to read sometime on your own. It's First Samuel chapter 25. First Samuel chapter 25, if you just want to pencil that down. Um, it's a good lesson in, um, in intercession as well. The story goes like this. David, um, who was anointed to be king by Samuel, but yet to become king, was still in the desert. But he had protected Nabal's property, his servants and his herds, all the time that he was there. And he didn't, didn't go out and, and rob them or steal from them at all. But there came a, a day when it was a festive day, kind of like a holiday, and David sent his messengers to Nabal, who was extremely wealthy, uh, to ask for some provisions for his, his men to celebrate this day. Well, Nabal refused to consider sharing anything from his abundance or resources. And so what happened was one of Nabal's young men spoke to Abigail, Nabal's wife, and this is what um, he, he's told Abigail in verse 14. But one of the young men told Abigail, Nabal's wife, saying, Behold, David sent messengers from the wilderness to greet our master, and he scorned them. Yet the men were very good to us, and we were not insulted, nor did we miss anything as long as we went about with them while we were in the fields. They were a wall to us, both by night and by day. All the time we were with them tending the sheep. Now, therefore, know and consider what you should do. For evil is plotted against our master and against all our household. And Nabal is such a worthless man that no one can speak to him. So David's messengers that he had sent to Nabal brought back Nabal's response. David was so upset and angry with Nabal after all he had done to, to treat him like he did, decided to take all his warriors and put Nabal and all his servants to death. So he had strapped on his sword and was on his way to carry this out. But Abigail interceded by sending David provisions. And she, so she sent her own men ahead with the provisions and then followed up herself to David. And this is what the scriptures say um, concerning Abigail, in, starting in verse 23. When Abigail saw David, she hurried and dismounted from her donkey and fell on her face before David and bowed herself to the ground. She fell at his feet and said, On me alone, my Lord, be the blame. And please let your maidservant speak to you and listen to the words of your maidservant. Please do not let my Lord pay attention to this worthless man, Nabal. For as his name is, so is he. Nabal is his name and folly is within, within him. But I, your maidservant, did not see the young men of my Lord whom you sent. Now, therefore, my Lord, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, since the Lord has restrained you from shedding blood and from avenging yourself by your own hand, now then let your enemies and those who seek evil against my Lord be as Nabal. Now let this gift which your maidservant has brought to my Lord be given to the young men who accompany my Lord. Please forgive the transgression of your maidservant, for the Lord will certainly make for my Lord 
enduring house because my Lord is fighting the battles of the Lord and evil will not be found in you all your days. The result of this is that Abigail pointed the righteous way for David so that the blood of Nabal wouldn't be on David's hands and when David became king, he wouldn't remember this and see it as something he did unrighteously. So David said to Abigail, blessed be the Lord God of Israel who sent you this day to meet me and blessed be your discernment and blessed be you who have kept me this day from bloodshed and from avenging myself by my own hand. I hope you can see from these two particular examples, uh, Esther and um, Abigail, that prayer is only the beginning of intercession. Uh, identification with the guilty or those with whom injustice was aimed should be done like Esther, or claiming guilt, even as Abigail. But that is only one part of intercession. We also begin to see that more often than not, there's an action and involvement after prayer in being used in the answer. And I, this, I think, is kind of where I feel the, see the, the challenge for the church is we, we, do inter, we do know how to intercede and pray, but we don't really want to get involved in the affairs of men in the world in, 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 in those particular times of trying to change things that are unjust or unjust. And so that to me has been kind of the challenge of like, where Lord, after praying, first part of intercession, how, how are you going to heal the land? Are you going to use people to do that? And so, you know, wh what's my part? What's your part? How do we use our sphere of influence, you know, after we've done that prayer to get involved in the answer? Um, you know, these are just a couple. There, there are lots of examples, but I, the main thing today is just to highlight this is an activity of, of, of God's people. Um, and, and, and I want to share three more to show that we are led by example in the Trinity itself. The first one is God the Father. Um, it's hard to imagine that God would be surprised or astonished by anything. He knows all. He knows the heart of man. And I, I can't imagine that there's anything that would surprise him about man or what man could do. But I, I came across chapter 59 of Isaiah. Um, and again, if this is something, I'm not going to read the entire chapter. Um, I will go through it and, and point out some things. But if you would write down that scripture reference, Isaiah chapter 59, and read it on your own time. Um, it's uh, one that, this, this particular chapter comes after describing the kind of fast that moves God's hand. Uh, it, it's, it's not necessarily uh, just pulling off our ornaments and putting on sackcloth and ashes, but he describes a, a, a fast of giving ourselves to others is the kind that moves him to action, action that not only benefits them, but also uh, brings, um, you know, glory to our own name uh, as we, you know, as we identify with, with him. So chapter 59 begins like this. 
Behold, the Lord's hand is not so short that he cannot save, nor is his ear so dull that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have made a separation between you and God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. God goes on in the next, um, ver well, verses three through eight. God then begins to list or number those iniquities and sins in those verses. Um, then beginning in verse nine, there seems to be this response of the people. Verses nine through 14, um, as God has listed these things, becomes their confession of wickedness verses 9 through 14, and they, and they confess the things that God has already laid out. What's interesting is you then come to this verse 15, which ends this confession of wickedness with a conclusion, and it goes like this, verse 15, yes, truth is lacking, and he who turns aside from evil makes himself a prey. You know, I was struck by that. Things were so bad there in that time. And we may could liken that some, in some respects to places in the world today. Truth is lacking. And he who turns away from evil, those who, who turn towards righteousness, make himself a prey. In other words, they're the ones, the repentant ones, are the ones that set themselves up to be attacked. Now the Lord's, and the, the verse continues, now the Lord saw and it was displeasing in his sight that there was no justice. That particular conclusion brought a reaction from God. In verse 16, it says this, and he saw that there was no man and he was astonished that there was no one to intercede. Then his own arm brought salvation to him, and his righteousness upheld him. He saw no one, and it amazed him that no one would intercede. So he stepped in, and he interceded. Now, he continues for the rest of the chapter, and he, he, he talks about his intercession, what he does, and the promise of a redeemer in the last part of that chapter. And so I want to move from to that redeemer, God the Son. He he was the Jesus Christ was the one that he promised. Where was truth lacking and stumbled in the street verses 14 and 15 in Isaiah 59. Jesus came and he said he was the way and the truth and the life. Where justice was turned away and far from us in, in chapter 59 of Isaiah, Jesus took upon himself the justice due us, which, by the way, was a great injustice to his own life, own righteous life that he had lived. He, interse he interceded. He became involved in the affairs of man. He became the perfect sacrifice to satisfy the justice of God. For man's sin. A couple of verses in Romans. Uh, Romans 8.32 says this, if God is for us, who is against us? 
He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for us all, how will he not also with him give us all things? What a great way to intercede that you would give your own son. Who will bring a charge against God's elect? God's the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is he who died. Yes, rather he was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who also intercedes for us at the right hand of God. Here he is also functioning the high priest of this kingdom of priests that are still here on the earth. He continues to intercede as high priest. It says in Hebrews this, but Jesus, on the other hand, because he continues forever, holds his priesthood permanently. Therefore, he is able to save forever those who draw near to him, to God through him. Since he, Jesus, always lives to make intercession for them. Now, that's two of the three trinity. There's God, the Holy Spirit, who Jesus promised to send as an advocate. And an advocate is an intercessor. Part of his work is to intercede in Romans 8, 26 and 27. Show us how he does that. In the same way, the spirit also helps our weakness. For we do not know how to pray as we should but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the heart knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he intercedes for the saint according to the will of God. As I remember uh, reading something from Sinclair Ferguson, and I think I may have mentioned this earlier this year, but he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. This temple that we live in, that we've given the promise, the part of the Holy Spirit, when we pray, as Sinclair Ferguson says, he makes our prayers right as they ascend to God. Um, so I like to think that where I pray amiss that the Holy Spirit does uh, change whatever needs to be changed. So when it arrive in the throne room it it is according to the will of god you know um a couple of things just in ending here as with esther who knows whether or not you have attained attained royalty for such a time as this you know you and i are royal priesthood we have uh, we have a sphere of influence and this is the time that's been given us, such a time as this. It's our time to live, uh, changing as it is this world and has been. It's, it's the season with amazing conveniences and advances. And yes, it has its same temptations, trials, and difficulties. But we're not here because we came too early. We're not here because we were born 100 years late. We're here at God's appointed time. And so it's, it's obvious that we're here for such a time as this. No matter what the world holds and the future holds, this is our time. Uh, secondly, um, the scriptures tell us this, 
that it's God who is at work in you, both to will and to work his good pleasure. And as I reflected on that, you know, my mind went to a scripture, an earlier scripture in Acts. And I thought, you know, shall not the same thing that was said of David also be said of you and me? And this is what it says. Um, For David, after he had served the purpose of God in his own generation, fell asleep and was laid among his fathers. We're here. This is our time. And it's our time to serve the purposes of God in our own generation. How that fleshes out for each one of us is going to be different. But I know one thing. Repentance and intercession will be an active and ongoing part of that as he works his will in our lives. You know, it's easy to kind of gauge where we are by where everybody else is. And I just have to remember this admonition that Jesus gave to Peter when he asked about John's future. Paraphrase, it went something like this. What does it matter about somebody else? You follow me. So I just would encourage us this morning to remember and reflect on these two things that both precious things God's given us, a, a way of being continually kept in line with his, him in relationship and, and continually used of him in intercession. And so I just bless you this morning. I encourage you to meditate on these two things and, and make them a regular part of your walk with and before the Lord. Let's pray. Father, who do we have but you? And where else can we go but you? You're our hope and our stay. You're our high wall. And we just ask, Father, you would continue to be gracious and merciful with us, that you would continue to train us up to be skillful in intercession and humble in repentance before you. Lord, that we would, we would, Lord, we would just be uh, sorrowful at, at all the times, Father, that we quench your spirit and give us more and more discernment father when you're speaking to us go with us father let us be living lives that bring glory to you that we may also be glorified in that day that we see you face to face in jesus name amen amen Thank you, Preston. Um, Thank you for drawing out from uh, God's word, his commands about uh, how to have relationship with him. Um, Does anyone have something that they would like to comment on or share concerning the message here this morning? I think I do. <laughs> Whoops. Um, that whole thing about confession and forgiveness and revival and all these things I've been carrying with me for a while now. But um, earlier in my life, in my early 20s, the whole um, thing about <clears throat> 
finding out like where I where I need for, needed forgiveness um, was so much closer than it is now, and that's a question that I have. I don't want to fabricate something that's not there, but I also know I'm not a perfect person. So, how will will I know if I need to repent of something? And then to go into prayer and go from there, like how you described it, Preston. It's a, it's a real question for me because I have prayed for God to show me, but I haven't really felt he was pointing me in one or the other direction. Mm -hmm. But I think it's very needed for all of us, including me. But how do I get there? Well, I think, I think you, you, you follow the steps. It's you, you, you have to be in a place of humility uh, and you've, you've kind of alluded to that. We know that we're not perfect. We know that we've sinned. We know that we will continue to. Uh, and so to me, it's a, it's, it's a matter of being quiet, which I have a hard time doing. I like to get all my stuff out and then um, not wait to hear uh, how, how the spirit wants to deal with me. Uh, some of us um, never see anything wrong with us and others of us are always self-condemning. And so there's this place in between that we have to come to where we learn to discern the, the, the spirit's conviction. It's generally specific rather than general so that you can repent specifically rather than generally. It's hard to, it's hard to know how to turn generally but I think, you know, he, he, he does tend to deal with us about specific actions or attitudes. Uh, and as he repeatedly does that, I think we become more and more aware of when we're entering that and know how to cut it off. And so that's where, you know, as Bill was sharing weeks ago, he's so gentle. Um, he, he doesn't necessarily bring down a hammer on you, but it, that's what's amazing to me about the humility of the Holy Spirit, that we can so easily run over part of the Godhead. Um, and, and that just baffles me that he would even stay near, but he does. And, and, and because he's also, all of them are madly in love with us and they're gonna do what they have to do to see us come into deeper and deeper places of holiness. And so, it really becomes a matter of discernment, uh, not self-diagnosis, in my opinion. Thank you. Very helpful. Yeah, I might I might add something else, Preston, if you don't mind. But um, you know, I've heard many people say that um, as they as their faith matures and they grow, they, they're pursuing Jesus and they grow closer to him, then the Lord brings to their mind things that they never thought were sinful. But now in the, light, in, the, in the more glorious light of the Lord's presence, they realize it's sinful. And so life always has its challenges because as you're growing closer to the Lord, He's continually bringing more things up to you. I, I would just encourage you to, to keep pressing in to know him better. And if he wants to show you something, he's going to do it, Magda. You just keep pressing into him and reading his word 
and praying for for you and and Peter and and your daughter and and grandchild coming and um, son-in-law and pray that uh, God uses you wherever he puts you and um, he will he'll bring to your mind things that you need to repent of and it might be something that you never thought you needed to repent of before but now suddenly you realize oh <laughs> that's what you meant um, I, I see that I see that you know in others and I see it in me that things I could just scoot through and not worry about one second the Lord puts his finger on it and says, nope, we need to deal with that. Yeah. Um, Bill, I've heard it kind of expressed this way. It's like when you when you come first come to the Lord, he doesn't say, okay, we're going to work on these 150 things that I see wrong with you. <laughs> yeah, 150 million things. He uses, he uses, let's say he uses a three-tooth comb, you know, and he begins, you know. But like yeah. you say, um, as you walk with God, that comb becomes a fine-tooth comb, and he continues to just stroke that through our lives and show us things that what used to be things that uh, he wasn't dealing with because there were other things that were more important. Now it's the time, and yeah. uh, it, it's, it's up to us to respond to those times as, as the comb gets finer and finer. Yeah, it, it's something that that does not uh, stop. I think it was Martin Luther that said when Jesus said repent, it was not a one-time act, but it's something that a Christian is going to be doing continually throughout his entire life. Yes. Yeah. It's one of those words like remember. It means to keep remembering, repent, keep repenting, believe, keep believing. And so it's a, it's a continuum, not a one-time thing. When I um, actually get quiet and start talking to God, um, what happens is I, I just, I'm overwhelmed by how good he's been to me and how gracious. And I think of the things that kept me away from God and how awful my sin has been. The more I think about it, the more I'm just overwhelmed by the goodness of God, and it makes me hate wickedness even more. Mm -hmm. And when I hate wickedness more, I, I love righteousness more. Um, I, when people like Preston are given a message, man, all of a sudden my mind starts well he said this from that my mind's going over here and, and and with this scripture and this one and trying to put them together and one of the things I was thinking about was in Genesis after Adam and Eve had sinned and uh, eaten the forbidden fruit God says to the serpent that because you've done this I'm going to put enmity between your seed and the woman's seed, which means your offspring and the woman's offspring. And the offspring, are, what, what you've got now, for the first time, you've got a division between mankind. You've got two divisions. You've got a division of the seed of the woman, which are those that love God, and the seed of the serpent, which are those that love themselves. And this is going to be a forever type of separation. 
you've got the serpent, who is Satan. He, he, he's the one that inhabits the, the serpent. And the equivalent of that is sin. And so God is saying, I'm going to put enmity between the serpent and the woman and the woman's seed, the woman's offspring. And what's going to happen, you would think that, um, that when this happens, this enmity, this deep hatred between the serpent and the seed of the serpent and the woman would cause you to hate sin so much that you would never fall into it. But that's not the way it works. But what does happen, I think, is that God allows sin in our lives initially and until we keep come to a deep repentance. He allows this sin in us until we get to the point that we see how devastating it is and how utterly empty it is. And it causes us to want him so much that we start calling out to God, if you're there, God, do this. If you're there, God, do that. We're so overwhelmed by the sin in our life and how awful it is and what it's led us to that we start listening for God and he uses sin to cause us to come to repentance because if he didn't do that then we would love sin because our, our nature is to love the things that please self but he causes it to be so devastating to us that we call out for him and he changes us. And he, the more he changes us, the more we see the great wickedness of sin. And when we see it more and more, we, we, how, how can dust be proud that it's dust? <laughs> you can't. You know, you see yourself as dust and automatically pride gets trampled because what pride is there in being dust but he says that's what you're going to go back to but if you belong to him it's it's you're going to get a new body and live eternally but if you don't then the seed of the serpent those that love self are going to keep on and on in it and the great divide between humanity continues but it's that that hatred of sin uh, where you see more and more how what you thought were little sins are not little sins at all. They're not. Thank you, Greg, and thank you, Preston, for that message. Um, so often in my life, I've grown, like when Margaret mentioned 20s, I was thinking when I got to my 30s, I would think in my 20s, oh, how could I have had that attitude? Oh, God. Thank you for convicting me. I didn't realize I was selfish or whatever. Then when I got to my 40s, I'd look back at things in my 30s and think, oh, how could I have been so insensitive to the Holy Spirit and right on and right on and get in my 50s and then I look back and then I, now I'm in my 60s and the conviction of the Holy Spirit is always purifying me. Um, I know that the more I study God's word and the more I'm reading, I'm thinking, oh God, I didn't know I had a, grieve the Holy Spirit so much when I had that attitude or I, I, I believe that the word of God causes a conviction but by, by through the Holy Spirit. And so I think we're all on that journey of 
being made more into his image and him showing us more of how much we need him. Thank you, Julie. I had, I had this thought the other day. Um, one of the disciples came to Jesus and was asking about how often he should forgive this guy who keeps coming to him and asking for forgiveness. And of course, you know, Jesus said, well, should I give him, should I forgive him seven times? He was being real exorbitant in the amount of forgiveness he was willing to offer. And Jesus says, well, no, how about 70 times seven, which was, uh, you know, if you think about the number of seven being perfection, then it's multiplied. It's just, just almost an unlimited, infinite amount of forgiveness. But then last week I thought, well, if Jesus said that that's what we ought to do, then, then he probably does at least that much, offers that much forgiveness for me. So at least 70 times seven times he's willing to forgive me or maybe even more. And so I take, I took great comfort in that, just realizing that as long as I'm willing to come for him for forgiveness through Jesus Christ, he's willing to forgive me every time. Um, so there's no, and there's, there's no limit then to the amount of work that God wants to do in our hearts to bring us through every, every snare and every, every trouble and to make them all, as Greg said, make them all look as hideous as they really are. So thanks for your question, Magda. I think it prompted a lot of additional thought and consideration. Anybody else? I was just thinking about um, intercession and repentance. It's also not just, it is certainly repentance for, for sin that's in our own heart, but it's also identification repentance. Intercession takes the part of those in sin identifies with them and repents. That's part of how intercession can bring breakthrough. As a young woman, before I was a Christian, I was very in favor of abortion, so nothing wrong with it. God certainly dealt with me about that after I became a Christian. But recently I was looking at a picture of what a uh, late term abortion does, what that is. And it's horrifying to see what, what's actually taking place. And so the repentance that I feel there is repentance for the beliefs that I once had myself, but also identification for those that are deceived and that don't understand and an ability to repent uh, on behalf of my people, on behalf of my country. So I see repentance as more than just the conviction of the spirit in my own life, but in, in a much broader sense. Yeah, that's a good way to think about combining the two. Yeah, and that's what Moses was doing, you know, when he prayed and intercede for Israel. That makes it really personal, the sins of your nation. Thank you, Pat. Anyone else? Well, I'm going to let's just sing one more song here. Um,
And as we sing, think through Preston's message and the other question and comments that you've heard and see where the Lord has you. Where, where are you going in your daily repentance and in your intercession, not only for your own selves and own families, but for you know the people at work and the people at school and people in your neighborhood and the people in your country? So let's switch this back over to the share the screen.
just shows us the power of your creativity and your great plan and purpose that you would take lumps of clay, balls of dust, and fashion us in your own image. And then when we refused to honor and follow follow you, you redeemed us with your very own blood of your son, the Prince of Heaven. What can we say, Lord? That through the shedding of the blood of Jesus, we can have forgiveness of sins. And then, Lord, you tell us that we would bring the new awareness that we have of sin to you in repentance. Not just that we might be healed, but that we might have right relationship with you and honor you in every way. Lord, show us the horrendous nature of sin. Show us how horrible it is in a way that we can appreciate and and understand it without having to endure it. And forgive us, Lord. Forgive us of the sins of our teenage years and before our teenage years and our 20s and our 30s and our 40s Forgive us the sins, Lord, of our 50s and our 60s and our 70s and who knows, Lord, our 80s. Lord, I'm sure that's why you shortened the length of mankind was to reduce the amount of evil in the world so there'd be less sin. So, Lord, you set the, a limit on our, the number of years. And, Lord, I pray that we would also set a limit on our own sin through Jesus Christ to turn away and to follow you. Lord, I pray this for each one of us. We do have an enemy, but our greatest enemy is our very own sin, not the the devil. Yes, Lord, he is a liar and a thief and a murderer and a destroyer. But sin is all that and more because sin separates us from you. 
So Lord, grant us repentance and keep our hearts soft and pliable in your hands. Lord, make our minds keen to know you, to know your thoughts and your ways that you've revealed to us. And Lord, I pray for increased awareness and discernment, Lord, over what your Spirit is doing. And Lord, as we've been encouraged this morning when we pray and we intercede, not only for ourselves, but Lord, for our nation, Lord, let us let us appreciate, Lord, and feel the repentance for our nation, for the sins of our nation. Lord, we've called what is evil good, and we've called what is good evil as a nation. Lord, we do pray for those in authority over us and, and grant the same awareness, Lord, to them of repentance and intercession. Lord, may every government official, every police officer, every frontline medical worker, every teacher in the schools and accountant and engineer in business places, Lord, every, every person at home working in their home, serving their family, Lord. May this message of repentance and intercession be made clear. And Lord, use us. Use us, Lord God, to be your instruments of healing to our nation. What an opportunity for, for little lumps of clay to be used by the Heavenly Father. Thank you, God. That being made in your image brings us purpose and life forever when we believe and trust in you. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we pray these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. The good thing, if you look at Genesis 3, where the serpent is cursed, the man and the woman are not cursed. Just Satan is cursed. Uh, obviously, you're going to reap the results of your sin, but you're not cursed because God brings a redeemer for man and woman. Yeah. There's no redeemer for Satan. You know, one one parting thought is the, to really understand that the walk is very circular. Um, he who is forgiven much loves much. And he who loves much demonstrates that through obedience. And so that tends to be the way our life goes. We realize it's way more than 490 times. And as you meditate and think about the number of times you've been forgiven and, and, and it, it, it brings on um, an, a, a deeper love and that love is only expressed through obedience. Uh, more and more you want to, to obey uh, the things. I mean, the, the, the Bible says, find out what delights the Lord. And so that's what you're about is, mm -hmm. uh, is uh, bringing the light to him. So, yeah. You know what you just said means I love more than any of you because I've been forgiven more than any of you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 
It's good to be together. Last week, I had mentioned trying to do some sort of a, a get together of the women this weekend, but that has not worked out. A lot of people are out of town or have other commitments, and I have commitments next weekend. So eventually, I'll figure it out, and we'll have another get together, but it won't be this weekend after all. Okay, thank you, Pat. Well, Mary left some announcements with Julie, so she's going to share those. Well, we hope that Roger Banner had a wonderful birthday yesterday. Thank you. And then this week, uh, Wednesday, is our grandson Alex's third birthday. That's McKella and Scott's little boy. And then Saturday is Dripe's birthday, Phoebe's husband, next Saturday. And then Wednesday night prayer meeting, we hope that you will join us. And then Mary says that she's coming by all the Sunday school children's home tomorrow. She and Betty will come and deliver the next Sunday school packet and to pick up any Samaritan's Purse shoe boxes if you have created any. I usually do mine in November, so um, if anybody wants to do one, when is the ask me. I think it's usually the the weekend before the week before Thanksgiving. Mm. So if anybody wants to do one and doesn't have it ready yet, you can. Call me or text me, and I can come by and get it and collect it and take it to the church near my home. And that's all the announcements from Mary. Did she, did she say how her eye is doing? She didn't mention that. Okay. So, so Phoebe, take care of Dwight on his birthday. Uh, his birthday is October 25th. 20. Okay. All right, so it's another couple Mary of weeks. You. Another couple Mary. of weeks. Okay, Mary thought Thank it was. You. It was yeah, it's okay. the same day. Uh, my mother's birthday is the same day. Okay. Yeah. Thank you so much. All right. Anastasia's birthday is on the seventeenth, and she reminds me daily. So. <laughs> you can't forget that one. Huh? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well. Anybody else got a, a story they want to share or final prayer request? <laughs> I was Hello, everybody. I was trying to remember what Mary said about her eye, but it was not a detached retina. Um, and that it's um, something that the doctor's watching for about a month. So hopefully it will, um, it will heal on its own. Okay. Right. vitreous detachment oh yeah yeah vitreous yeah so it wasn't wasn't the more serious thing so thank you jesus yeah but she still has the floaters so that's a, um, a issue for prayer right hey arthur hello hi greg uh, i just wanted to let you guys know a, a prayer report that my aunt uh aleda in florida she is um she has a terminal a cancer and she said she had some deadlines established by doctors and uh one of them was coming up um, a few days ago and she said that uh, what the doctor said that will happen didn't happen so she's uh, praising the lord because uh she's feeling with less uh, pain than before and she's having some treatment pain treatment but um she has been feeling uh, better the last days. So uh, we thank the Lord for Amen. for the comfort that he's bringing her. 
Yeah, thank you. The Lord is kind. Yeah. Wayne, are you and Jill sitting a little too close together for comfort in this current environment? <laughs> No, um, I'm just trying to help her. She's uh, she's trying to get warmed up to make lunch, so <laughs> I, get, I get to eat. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I have one thing to share. Like uh, my brother, uh, he had a new. He will have a new job tomorrow. Start with start from tomorrow. That he loses job for almost two years, and the thanks God, yeah, he can find a new job. Wow! Yeah, uh, uh, hope he can, yeah, ask for, for pray that uh, the the new job will be smooth and good to take care of the family. Thank you. Where does he Where does he live? Uh, he lives in Taiwan with my mother. Okay, You're Taiwan. Okay. All right. Well, that's good. That is good news. Thank you. Um, any other updated news reports? Galena, anything new? Yes, uh, my flight to uh, back is canceled, and I need to figure out what to do and how to fly back. <laughs> It's kind of one more problem <laughs> came. Your your return flight was canceled. Yes. So you're yeah. you're going to stay there in Russia until you get another flight. Um, I will try to do something. I don't know. It's I will try. We tried to call this company, but uh, it was not successful. I just tomorrow I will try again. <laughs> Okay, so Mike, you need to intercede for your wife. Either that or send her money for a canoe. <laughs> or you could buy a plane and fly over and get her yourself. Yeah. That, that'd, be, that'd be the gentleman thing to do. Yeah, but I'd have more fun with the canoe. <laughs> or you could build a big canoe, Mike. You've done that before. Sail over. Okay. That'd be good. All right, y'all. I'll let, let you go have lunch with Wayne. Um, anything else? Well, continue to continue to pray for our nation and our leaders. Uh, every day we hear that another person's been infected with the virus, and um, it's um, it's just a inter interesting time to be watching all this happen. So, Preston, you want to close our meeting with a prayer, and then we'll... Sure. Father, thank you for this time together. Lord, thank you that you make a way where there usually would not be a way 50 years ago for us to, to gather. And well, I just pray that as we walk with you and before you this week, that... Um, you would show us all those places where we can be a bright light and, and a preservative in this nation. We thank you, Father, for bearing witness to, to yourself, to us. And Lord, we're humbled that you would reveal yourself to us. 
thank you, Father, for uh, the strength to, to walk before you and the grace to, uh, Lord, just to speak forth the truth. Give us wisdom and wise counsel for the people around us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for your amen. message, Preston. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was really, really, it moved me. It was really good. good. Moved me to pray. Well, if, if you want a time to pray, put it on your calendar Wednesday night, seven o'clock. If you can join us then, join us at seven thirty or join us at eight. But we'll normally end by eight thirty. All right, bye, y'all. See ya. Bye, y'all. Bye. 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 Bye.